brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's a Friday, which means we catch up with our friends at Beyond Goals Mentoring and with his incredibly special coffee mug, it's Greg Garza's re- return to hang out with Beyond Goals. You see, all right, now, for those that are, it, since this is only going out in the audio form, you're holding up your Sholos Greg Garza coffee mug this morning. Please explain the significance and the love you have for that mug. Yeah, it's a it's it's a mug that was given to us right after winning the championship in uh, in Mexico, the Liga MX, uh, the Clausura 2012, uh, which was a, a pretty special moment for all of us. We got I remember walking back uh, into our locker rooms. We had actually played in Toluca. Uh, we got home at like 1 a.m. Uh, we went to the we went to the stadium. We had hats. We had these coffee mugs, um, and I just remember that was probably one of the most special moments in my career of uh, seeing the stadium completely full uh, at like 1.30, 2 in the morning, uh, getting back from Toluca. So that, that, was a, that was a special. My dad wanted to, wanted to steal this coffee mug from me. There was no way I was going to let him steal it. So uh, this is mine, a cherished memory for the rest of my life. Well, so, but since you have a cherished memory, how difficult is it to make sure that you're taking care of it so it doesn't get chipped, doesn't get dropped, all those? Have you thought about retiring it just to be sure? Oh man, it might go in the office one day, but, uh, you know, I've always, uh, like I said, I think it's just something that reminds me every single day, the special moments. I think if I have something sitting in an office, I'll rarely, uh, I'll rarely, I'll, I'll see it every day, but I won't, won't get that, uh, that cherished memory that's right then, then and there, you know? Um, so I think having it, having it in my hands every day is always a good, uh, a good flashback. Completely understand. Uh, there were a couple of topics that I wanted to get into this morning when it comes to, uh, playing, mentoring, etc., and one of them kind of stumbled into us as we were getting ready here. In 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 our meaning, you and me, our pre-production meeting, we talk about planning, 
And you mentioned that you had how many calendars? I've got four to make sure I know I'm, what I'm doing. I'm tied with you. Okay. With you to make sure everything is up to speed and make sure whether it is groceries, whether it is finances, whether it is whatever it may be. Um, obviously with our beyond goals, mentoring, obviously with my personal life, I need to grab coffee with somebody, uh, all different, all different things. Right. And it's so funny, John, because that's one thing that Michael and I first talked about after retiring was what was the hardest thing to do after retiring. And for both of us, and I think for all professional athletes, it is creating a calendar, creating a plan for yourself every single day. Because if you think about it, for 17 years of my life, right, 13 years professionally, 17 years of my soccer career, every single day was made out for me, right? We had a, a manager or a, a coordinator, right? We had a coordinator that would send out the schedule of every day, whether it be printed or whether they send you a WhatsApp message or whether they send you the monthly calendar and you would have that, boom, you print that out, put it on your refrigerator and every single day. Uh, we always used to say, you know, Michael and I would always say, the only thing we need to know is what color polo we need to wear, wear on the next day, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and we don't need to know anything else because our, our lives are so routine-based and, and habit-based every single day. We finish training. We know what we're going to do exactly when we get home, what time we got to pick up the kids from school, et cetera, et cetera. So retiring and now understanding the value of having a calendar, understanding the value of what planning can be, that is definitely something we we now implement within our sessions with our with our kids that we work with, uh, and we we both we base it more so on compartmentalizing, right? Compart the 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 value and use of com- compartmentalization, right? Of compartmentalizing those necessities to keep yourself up to speed uh, with with whatever you have going on. Especially with these kids, they sometimes they're in school, they have a history exam, and they're probably thinking about the game they have that night at seven, right? So how do you how do you kind of plan ahead and say, okay, from this time to this time? It's solely based, right? Focus and concentration on this. And once that is finished, boom, you turn the page and you focus on that next, uh, that next thing that's about to come. How long did it take you as an athlete to, to get into that rhythm of having everything either laid out, regimented, making sure that you had the personal responsibility yourself to stick to that schedule? How long did it take you as an athlete to lock in to understand, okay, step one, next step, this is my day, this is my day, this is my day, so I can be as successful as I can be? Uh, I think from a very young age, you start to realize those routines and and how important they can play such a huge role in just keeping, I would say, keeping your mind straight, right? Um, I was definitely that type of player and that type of person still, as if I don't go to the gym today, right? I know right before I go to sleep, I'm going to be thinking, oh, darn it, man, I did not go. I'd probably, I'd probably be the person that if at 10 p.m. or you know, 11 when I'm laying down in bed, if I didn't go to the gym, I'm probably that person that's going to get up and say, okay, I'm going to go to the gym for at least 15, 20 minutes right before I go to sleep, um, even though it's going to spark all those endorphins and all those other kind of things, which is probably uh, a negative thing. But that's just the type of person I think even the type of player I, I was. And I think most professional athletes are are like that, right? You 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 set your mind to something that, that that specific task or that objective or that goal, and and you're following through with it no matter what. And for us, 
that routine base, uh, you know, whether it was eating correctly, whether it was eating at a specific time, uh, like your pregame meals, your, your post, uh, your post training shake or your post game, uh, you know, shake, whatever it may be. Those are things that are, are they all almost become rituals, right? It almost becomes, almost becomes a religion to where you are devoted to those routine based, uh, things that help you not only feel, uh, to the best of your ability physically, but also keep, uh, the mind straight as well. When you're, you know, you, you mentioned that the evolution of this and when you get into that rhythm, it's hard to shake it once you're, once you're retired because you, you get into routines. I think that it's, it's interesting to hear that for your own personal benefit, it carries on after you're done because there, there is that thought. It's like, yeah, man, I'm retired. I'm going to let myself go a little bit. I'm going to enjoy and things like that. But at the same time, I think that if you do don't let yourself go and you maintain what you've had for that 15, 20 years or so, I think that it gives off that, and for lack of a better word, I think it continues to give off that aura of professionalism in part in every aspect of your life if you continue to stay locked into those kinds of things. Most definitely. I think you said it, you said it perfectly and, and understanding how to create new routines for yourself. Um, and that, that, that can be a difficult process, I think, for a lot of pro athletes and trying to understand how to create uh, those, those new routines and, and, and why those new routines need to be created to kind of keep yourself in check and, and understand, you know, what's, what's next. Right. And uh, that, that takes a couple of months. It took me a couple, couple of months to start understanding the value of what a calendar can be like uh, to understand what a value of now three or four different calendars can be like, um, you know, and it, it does, it does help you in so many different ways. And like I said, I think it goes back to that word of compartmentalizing, understanding, um, you know, those specific times when to use the most value of whatever concentration it may be in those specific moments. And then moving on to that next, um, that next objective or goal that you may have within the day, within the week, within the month or within the year. How difficult is it to compartmentalize? Because I know that we have a lot of things on our mind these days, whether it's an adult or a, you know, a student athlete or what have you. How difficult is it to, to compartmentalize? Because I would think that we're all thinking larger picture. We're thinking getting through the day. And, and you know, these days, I know a lot of folks are just thinking about getting through the day. How difficult is it to break things down into those most finite parts and sit there and it's like, okay, I can check this off my list onto the next instead of trying to get to the end of the, the end of the book to figure out that the butler did it. We got to get through each of these chapters. Most definitely. It's, it can be difficult, right? I think it's funny because I have, I have an Apple watch and it always, you know, it says, take a, take a moment of mindfulness, right? Uh, it does that for myself even three, three times a day. Uh, I have it, I have it where it notifies me and it kind of, it's a, it's, it's a moment of self-meditation, right? It's a moment of self-meditation to where you just kind of close your eyes and kind of figure out, uh, you know, what's, what's next or what next chapter is going on for you, or whether it's to find that moment of relaxation throughout your day, or also like, like we just said, to compartmentalize uh, that focus, right? And I think that's that word is that uh, is focus, right? And so whether it's speaking to these kids or, or even for ourselves, um, it is understanding where that focus needs to be, be pointed in the right direction in each and everything that you're doing. One thing that I know that I did uh, that helped me immensely uh, before every single game was, whereas guys are talking in the locker room or getting ready before we're going out to warm up or juggling the ball, and that's something that I probably would do as well in the locker room because you have all that adrenaline inside of you, right? You have, you're ready to just let loose and let it go. But there, there was a moment to where I probably set a timer for myself for about two minutes and I would just sit in my locker 
Um, and and it, whether I was closing my eyes or whether I was just looking at nothing um, in space and I would just kind of visualize myself in that moment, right? Visualize not necessarily whatever is to come, but the things I need to achieve, those, those, many, those many goals I would set for myself throughout the course of, of every single game. Um, and, and I think that's a great example of, okay, my, I have now compartmentalized my complete focus on the task that is in front of me uh, and, and I'm ready to go. And, and whether that was a moment of, of, of complete relaxation as well and just getting the mind ready for what's, what's to come and kind of you know, settling down all of those, uh, those adrenaline bubbles that are ready to just burst out. Um, and, and those were moments that uh, really allowed me to, to, to really put all of my focus and, and attention in, in that next task ahead of me. When, when young student athletes and mentees hear stuff like that, do they ever, do you ever get the weird looks? Do you ever get the snickers? It's like, oh, come on, no, you don't, you don't sit there and you stare off into space or anything like that. There's always something that you got to do. I mean, do you get those those folks that you have to kind of convert into that kind of a thinking, or do they understand it from from ground zero? That is that is something is we we almost say whatever works for you is what's best, right? Um, that is something that worked for me and I'm sure worked for so many other players um, that played at such a high level. And I think when they have the opportunity and the examples of someone who has kind of been there, done that, then it just kind of means that much more to, to, to the young ones. Right. Um, another one is when we, when we speak at schools or whenever I speak at schools or when we speak to young kids or in our team sessions, and we, I always ask the question, how many of you guys here journal? And not one of them, even if maybe two or three of them raise their hand, thinking about raising their hand, yeah. they're not going to do it in front of all of their teammates. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and then I'll say, you know, I, I journaled every single day for my whole entire career. And, you know, once they hear that, they're like, oh, OK, yeah, I, I, I journal. I journal, too. And it's, you know, it's 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 kind of like that, uh, you know especially probably more so for, for, for men and guys. Right. And, and for the girls that we speak to a lot of girls journal, they have their diary, which is great because you're logging moments, you're logging reminders, you're keeping yourself in tune. You're essentially creating those routines and those calendar like uh, methods that, that will help you get throughout, um, you know, that next week. And for me, it was so important because I would, I would remind myself little, little tips and guides throughout the games, right. Of whether I would read those right before the game or whatever it may happen, Right, right before the game, and, and giving myself that extra little reminder and telling myself, okay, my shoulders need to be facing this way, or whatever it may be, defensively, offensively, how to create all these different little tips and guides, um, and 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 how important that can be, right? Even journaling, and and that's also something to where you kind of have to really poke poke our, our, our mentees and poke the teams that we speak to and say, look, this this works, this worked for us, and it worked for a lot of us. Um, and if it's something that you feel comfortable, you can do, I guarantee you, they'll have some sort of, uh, not necessarily a full change of success, but it will make you, uh, you know, feel that, that extra reminder, um, to hopefully have that success. Greg Garza hanging out with us beyond goals, mentoring and the Friday free kick here at SDH. And, uh, one of the, the other things that, that I wanted to, to get into, but you've opened this door again. Do you still have your old journals? Where are they? Do you still reference them even if you're not playing now? Where where are those old journals? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I still have I still have things with within my phone, within my notes, um, things that I would reference, whether it was uh, positives after a game, uh, whether it were my strengths, all these different uh, little examples that we give to our mentees to focus on you know, that, that confidence and mental strength aspect of it. Um, you know, we used to do mental conditioning a lot. That's what it used to be called. 
um, when I was in the residency program with the under 17 national team, uh, we would do it once a week and then we were devoted to do it once a week, mental conditioning. And, um, you know, I think a lot of us didn't realize it's, it's kind of funny because I always tell people within those two years that I was in residency, they're the best years of my youth development life, because whether it was the mental conditioning, um, and in my own personal life, whether it was having a chaplain, we had a chaplain every week. Um, you know, uh, other things where it was almost brainwashing us nutritionally, um, you know, all these different little things that probably there are 40 top players within the country uh, that were living together, training together every single day. And all these little extra things that were given to us. Well, out of those 40, I'm going to say maybe five or six of us went pro, right? I'm going to say out of those 40, maybe two of us ended up representing our full team. And I was probably one of those two, but those those little tips and little things that we got, those little extra things that we got throughout the week, I can guarantee you those five or six guys that really pay attention to it uh, were the ones that most likely use those things throughout the rest of their career. Um, and, and, and how important those, those were essentials uh, to keeping, to keeping that success going and going. Um, and, you know, I think just understanding the value of those of those things uh, is, is is so important. And journaling goes goes back to it. You know, um, it's it's funny. I always tell my mentees that when I moved to Brazil and I was so young, my mom used to make me journal every single day. Um, whether it was something that I uh, you know had going on, was whether it was a goal that I was setting for myself, whether it was a dream that I was setting for myself, and and essentially I was I was writing down almost my future. And and you know whether it was uh, the, the craziest of things when I was 12 years old and I would just write a paragraph and I would sometimes draw a picture or whatever it may be of playing against, I don't know, Ronaldinho one day, or, you know, him being my idol. And you're, you're writing down and, and you're writing these things down and you're actually, you know, you're, you're, you're feeling that you're having something written down can mean so much more than just having it, um, in the mindset. Right. And, uh, you know, you, you look at like, uh, you know, Oprah giving, uh, her speeches of having people, you know, make these, uh, these dream boards, right? These visualization boards to where they're putting down things that they're grateful for, or they dream about, or things that they remember, all these kind of things. And I was essentially doing that with lessons that I was learning playing in Sao Paulo at such a young age, writing down the things that I want to dream about in the future. And I think those shaped not only the person that I was and in, in, in being a 12-year-old and growing up extremely fast, but at the same time, uh, understanding that, okay, 15 years later or 12 years later, or in that case, you know, five years later, um, I was living, I was living those dreams. Right. Um, and, and, and living those dreams to, to full effect, uh, something that I probably would have never thought of at the age of 12, but just writing those things down in my journal. And my mom still has those journal entries, um, which is, which is pretty cool. But at the same time though, it's something that, and we talk about habits and continuing to have good habits that can carry you through not just, you know, playing career or what have you, but even if it's a segment of your life as a, as a mentee, and it's not something that ends up being a, a livelihood when you get into your 20s and such. It's stuff that you can keep with you in whatever profession you get yourself into even after athletics is over because those lessons can continue to be there with you and those habits are there with you as well when you're out in the workforce, whatever the quote-unquote workforce ends up being for you. Most definitely. I, I am a true believer if it's, if it's not broken – don't fix it. Yeah. Right. Um, you even use that, you know, use that terminology uh, and just keeping yourself, you know, 
truly, you know, focused on what's in front of you. And if something's leading you to have success every single time you do it, then why change? Uh, I'm, I'm the type of person, if I find a really awesome restaurant in Atlanta, I'm probably going there all the time. You know, I'll try some new things every once in a while. If I find something else, I'll probably stick to it a really long time, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm devoted and, and, and very uh, faithful and loyal to, uh, to things that, you know, make me feel great. And I think that's so important for guys that are playing at the highest level. If there's something, you know, we can talk about Darlington Nagby eating as many Swedish fish and sour <laughs> and having a cheeseburger before every game. And that's something that works for him. And that, that would never work for me because I probably would feel like crap playing every single game. But it's something that he does it and he is able to be so successful on the field and still keep, you know, his 12 pack physique and whatever it may be. But it's it's just it just goes to show you that every single person is so diverse and so different in their own ways. Uh, But as long as it it takes them to a a successful uh, moment uh, for themselves, then then keep it the same. And it kind of ties along with now you, you think about Atlanta United right now. Right. Um, they have a huge decision to make within this next game, right? And and we don't even need to to say what it is, right? And and, and they have a huge decision on who starts, right? And so I think that's a that's you know certain coaches you kind of think okay if it's not broken you know no need to fix it. What's my question, especially for Atlanta United, is what is going to be the starting lineup for this next game against yeah. Orlando? Uh huh. And so that's, that's, you know, kind of ties in all together with trying to understand what, what is needed and, and what makes you feel the most successful. And, um, you know, especially knowing Mexican coaches and, and, and just the Mexican nature, um, they are very superstitious. Uh, they are very, they are very like what I just said of having the terminology of what's not broken, don't fix it. So I'm, I'm interested to see um, what's going through Pineda's mind this, this weekend and seeing what, what the starting lineup is going to be and how do you manage certain personalities within the team uh, to, to, if, if you keep it the same of, of, of what this next lineup will be against Real, what was against Real Salt Lake, how do you manage all these different personalities and keeping a calm locker room? But you're getting uh, Luis Arujo back off of his yellow card suspension as well. And, uh, it's it's blood feud, uh, and we can get into this too. You know, for those, you know, the fan base knows, the 17s know that the purple team, and, and you know, I don't think I can even mention them by name here on the show by the <laughs> name of the city, but but the purple team, uh, it is not a team that that is uh, well liked here in the SDH footprint. For, for those who haven't played in a game in blood feud against the purple team, what is it like going up against that group of folks? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to call them Orlando. Don't. Okay. That sounds good. Or, I like that. Or, or, just, or, uh, or, uh, or Lalando. <laughs> I like, it. I just created that Orlando. Don't let's do it. Orlando. Right. Okay. <laughs> so what's it like going up against the don'ts? <laughs> going against the don'ts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, this is just my honest answer. It it, it was another game. Uh, there was I don't know if there was a, I don't know if there was an extra uh, pull to it or uh, something created within within our own fan base, which is which is amazing to see. Um, but I think for us as players, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. The 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 craziest and most intense games that I played was not against Orlando, and I I, I think. I think if there were to be a true rivalry, 
it would be Atlanta, New York, Red Bull. Okay. And that for me, and even though you have the, you know, red and blue for New York city and New York Red Bull, but I will tell you the games that we played in those inaugural years that were the most intense games. If you think about that first game of the season, how intense that game was and how much tension there was. Carlos Carmona got a red card uh, in the, you know, 65th, 70th minute. I don't remember what minute it was, but he had stepped on Felipe. Right. And, and so I was like, there was just this initial tension that was created um, against that team. And it just kind of keep kept building and kept building and kept building uh, even until right. The, the, the shield, that's not winning in on the shield and then beating them in the, in the, the semifinals to the cup. So it's, you know, all these different things that, uh, that I, I think that's my personal opinion. Right. Um, but you know, the, the games, the games against, uh, the don'ts has always been something special for, I think the fan base, uh, you know, and it's, it's always been something that's, you know, the TFOs that are put out and, and everything that's created within the stadium. And it's going to be awesome. Um, having that at home and seeing what, uh, what ideas they come up with to make it such a cool atmosphere. I think that's the, the that's the, been the best part about seeing those games. Yeah, I, I am looking forward to seeing what the TIFO is going to be on, on Sunday afternoon for, for the, the matchup against the Don'ts because we, we know that, you know, could it be revisiting one of Atlanta United's favorite holidays and Father's Day? Is it going to be another Father's Day card or, or something like that? It, it is going to be the imagination of the 17s. I am really looking forward to seeing that that on the weekend. Uh, one of the other things that I wanted to get into you with this morning is uh, where we are. And it is in the perpetual secondary transfer window of Major League Soccer that doesn't seem to end, or it does, and then it comes back, and everybody's planning. You got guys coming in, and then it's like they're practicing, but they're not official yet, but now everybody's official. Uh, traded, being traded, changing locations. What is that like as a professional athlete either as something that you were basically told was happening or something that you thought was for the betterment of your career because it, it can go one of two ways it can be something that you think you have to take that step in to be better or it's something where your employer thinks they need to be better and they are trying to do it by making sure that you can go someplace else and be better as well what is it like having either that decision that you have to make yourself or the decision being made for you as a, as a, as an athlete? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think the best pros are the ones that are able to adapt in any place, wherever they play, whether you are moving to a different country or whether you are moving to a different state, um, even within the United States, how culturally different every, uh, place can be is pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, whether it's the Northeast, whether it's SoCal, whether it's NorCal, it's the the, the Deep South, right? Um, every every place is very culturally different, which which is which is truly beautiful. But there are guys, and even more so, I would say probably families um, that can sometimes have a hard time adapting into new situations or new circumstances, new environments, um, and and that can play such a huge role on somebody's success within that certain or particular city. Um, but it's, it's, it, it can be a tough one sometimes, but I would say, you know, you, it's, it's, it's such a hard, that's a hard conversation to have because you can have guys that, that, uh, you know, I look at, I look at, you know, maybe Miram, for example, yeah. uh, you know, look at his time in Orlando and how difficult that process was to adapt there and how culturally different it was, was as well. And then, 
um, you know, having, having success uh, in Atlanta and, and being going to Real Salt Lake or you know, success in, in Columbus and sometimes dealing with, you know, the ups and downs of there, of dealing with what it's, what the life like is, what the lifestyle is like in Columbus. So um, I think that's a great example of a guy who's moved all around the league and kind of had a roller coaster career depending on the location, right? Um, of, of, of sometimes being traded into spots, whether it's willingly or, or, or clubs, clubs decisions. So, um, you know, you look at so many different examples of guys all around the league that have been traded so many different times and you kind of ask yourself, you know, what, what is going through their minds and how they feel in certain, in particular cities and how they're able to continue that success, um, you know, wherever it may be. Um, I haven't used myself, for example, right. It felt so comfortable and so at home. And I mean, this is where I retired in, in Atlanta and it feels so good to be in a place to where I think it was my, this was my first home after being out of the country for, you know, since I was 12 years old. Right. So coming back to the States and living back in the States, this is the perfect place for me to choose. And I think this is why I'll, I'll probably call this place home for, for probably the most likely the rest of my life. But um, you know, it reminds me so much of my upbringing in Dallas and Texas. And I think Georgia and Texas have so many similarities um, of just the nice people and, and, and how everyone is culturally and so many similarities within that point of view. But um, at the same time, then getting traded to Cincinnati and, and, and you know, that was a trade that was uh, on both parts. Right. It was a decision that I had to make uh, one for my family at the time. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, our, our careers don't last forever, right? So we always have to make those decisions based on um, what is best for, you know, the future of our lives and the future of our family's lives. And uh, that was a huge culture shock, not only for myself, but for my family at the time and being in the Midwest. The Midwest is so much different than the South. Uh, you know, the, 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 the people in the Midwest are very different from the South, right? It's not a place uh, you know, I, I was used to as a kid, you wake up every single day and you're waving hello, you're asking everybody's life story uh, to your next door neighbors. And in the med- Midwest, it's not something that people do. People don't wave their hands and while you're driving in the neighborhood, right? Some, some of them do, do, but not all of them. And so it's just different, you know, it's just different uh, uh, mindset sometimes of, of how comfortable you can feel in certain places and, um, you know, the success you can have in certain places as well. And uh, like I said, I use myself as an example and having so much success as, and, and even as a player here in Atlanta of winning a championship and then going to a new inaugural team and getting last place two years in a row. Right. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 it can be difficult sometimes to adapt to new places, especially when those trades happen. So you kind of hope that these guys just have the ability to adapt anywhere they go and kind of find happiness with whatever it may be. Um, and, and, and just kind of hope for the best whenever those trades happen. And, and that was why I wanted to bring it up and kind of introduce it to a mentee level because you've got players these days, and, you know, we've got you know Caleb Wiley as an example, who is 17 years old, and he's putting in quality minutes with Atlanta United. You have, you have these athletes now who aren't – the 22, 23, 24s when they're starting their careers. You have athletes who are 16, 17, 18, and they're getting these decisions. They're being sold on to to European clubs and, and things like that. It's a different dynamic, and that was why I wanted to ask about the the changing of the locations with all of the the younger the younger influence now because it's younger guys who are getting to see these and they're growing up faster than they would have probably in other situations. 
Most definitely. And I think that's why I think I've said it before on the podcast as well as, is, is understanding the value of what it's like to spend time with guys that have experience sitting down with the guys that are the oldest ones in the room is what is needed whenever you are in those situations, especially for these kids that are so young, if they're having the opportunity to play at such a high level and play professionally at such a young age, you have to have it in your mind to sit down with the guys who have been there and done that as much as you can. Right. It's, it's, it's always great to be a kid. It's always great to, you know, have your friends around you, which is awesome. And you need that. You need to stop, never stop being a kid, especially if you are that age, but you look at the likes of Caleb Wiley, you look at the likes of, you know, Noah Cobb, or you look at these likes of George Campbell and you ask yourself, okay, what is the best way that these guys can learn the ropes or, or, or these guys can start to really understand that this is not only something that they do for fun anymore, right? This is their job, right? And so, and, and, and I think, you know, the quicker they can understand that and still have fun with it and still, you know, have the beauty and the passion and, and all of, all of that, that comes, uh, all of the above that comes with it, but learn from the guys that have been doing that job for a very long time. Uh, and learn the ins and outs. And, and and I think, you know, within those situations of these kids that are moving around or whatever it may be, um, you know, you have kids that are moving from different states now, staying in foster family homes and um, playing in youth, you know, you, 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 even with Atlanta United, you have kids from Tennessee, you have kids from Miami, you have kids that are moving from all over the the, the, the country within the Southeast to follow the dream of becoming a professional soccer player. And that's a lot of pressure on their shoulders. And that's a you know, whether they're 14 years old, whether they're 16 years old, still a lot of pressure on their shoulders. So um, helping them understand the, the, you know, their accountabilities and responsibilities of, you know, speaking to people with, with, with experience, speaking to people who have been there, done that, and just also knowing the rights and wrongs, the do's and don'ts and learning the ropes can be so important to, uh, to kind of, you know, guide them hopefully towards uh, if it's soccer for the rest of their lives, then their successful career within that but also use those same tips and guides. If whatever they choose to do in life, um, those same tips and guides can kind of uh, you know, be the best of, of use for them. All right, what's going on at Beyond Goals Mentoring these days with you and Parky? Everything's been great, man. We, uh, obviously, we are partnering. We, we have now officially partnered with uh, this organization, which is the uh, ATLEO. ATLEO. Uh, yep. Oh, yeah, the ATL, the Atlanta Youth Organization, which is a nonprofit. So, uh we are uh, officially, and we will be um, certainly launching uh, some new, some new information soon on uh, how to get involved and uh, how to continue to change the the youth spectrum of, of what soc- soccer is, and um, you know, creating as many opportunities for these kids uh, as possible, whether it be on the field or for our for our nature and for our most important value of what Beyond Goals can offer is is, is off the field, right? The mental aspect and. Um, you know, understanding the responsibilities and accountabilities of what we just talked about. So um, that's something special that we have in the works right now. And uh, just, you know, really trying to trying to continue to, to make a change in the game as much as possible. And we are grateful that you and Parky hang out with us on a weekly basis to kind of pull back the curtain and educate us all, not just those who play, but those who are around it so we can understand it that much more. At BG Mentoring on the Twitters, Greg, as always, great to have you on SDH. We will catch up with you, sir, very soon. Sounds good. See you later. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Hello. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.